As an employee, no matter where you are in, in your corporation, if you don't understand the purpose of the organization you're working for and your part in that, then you're not going to have that understanding of actually we need the bottom line. In order for me to pay your salary, in order for me to give you bonus and benefits, you know, that needs to fill. Otherwise, I'm going to have a deficit on the other side. We believe that to solve the biggest, most complex marketing problems, you have to blur the lines between intuition and reason, imagination and logic, the theoretical and the practical. Join us as we reimagine problem solving with leading B2B marketers on B2B Marketing Solved. We're your hosts, Richard and Benedict. Benny, why are we here today? Today, we're going to speak to Anya, who is partner and CMO at Mercer. Uh, and it's a topic that's very close to your heart, Rich, which is looking at really how can we get sales and marketing working together? What does that ideal relationship look like? And specifically, how can we turn sort of marketing into that really high-valued business generation engine within a company? So really, really exciting topic. And as I say, one that you're going to find uh, particularly interesting, I think. I certainly am. And Anonia, for the audience, would you like to introduce your background? Sure. I'm delighted to be here with you guys. So Anya Brent, I am with Mercer in the UK and I'm their um, chief marketing officer. And I think one of uh, my background is publishing, actually. Oh, really? I, I started off um, selling advertising. Haymarket, uh, right? Yeah, Haymarket, yeah. a long time ago, <laughs> and had the best sales training I could ever have hoped to have, which set me up for that marketing sales handshake throughout my career. Interesting. If I could high five right now. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, one of the best pieces of training was the Columbo Close. So this is going to show my age from that TV detective series, Columbo. He would always come in with a last killer question at the end to make his kill. He's, yeah. He would identify the murderer. And basically, that's how you get people across the line is that last killer question. So that stood to me. I then went from Haymarket to Central Publishing, still on the same camp. Yeah. Then I went to what was Cooper's and Librand. And I joined on the day they announced the merger with PW. So I was an in, quickly into PwC and spent formative years at PwC, ended up running um, global financial services marketing for them, which was wonderful. Left, went and joined JLT, uh, looking after the employment benefits business, had a great time with them. They were acquired by Marsh McLennan and led me to Mercer. And I've been there for the last three years. I mean, impressive brands to have on your CV, right? Great bunch of people to work with. And I've learned a hell of a lot. I can't resist temptation to ask you, what was the best killer question that you managed to sort of hit people with at the end of an interview? Sorry, well, a meeting. Rather. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was basically on the sales side, I dealt with a lot of advertising agencies. So selling ads in, yeah. in marketing publications, marketing or uh, marketing week or uh, money marketing. And basically it was talking to either brand directors, CMOs or advertising agencies in terms of getting them to spend as much money with our magazine as possible. And it was basically, it's, they would say, I don't have the budget, whatever. Yeah. And it was basically just turning it around saying, what are you trying to achieve? If I can help you achieve that, will you, will you do it? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. Well then how much do you want to spend? So it's basically giving them what they want. Have you heard of the Colombo Close? I haven't, but uh, I can imagine what the Colombo Close is. <laughs> to that. Uh, we were big adopters of spin selling, which I imagine was maybe just shortly after that. Yeah. Well, it was like fab selling feature advantage benefit. Again, it was all about getting into the psyche of what do you want to achieve? Because as long as you know that, and I guess that really is the, the connection between the marketing and the sales handshake, what do you want to achieve? And then work back from that. Instead yeah. of saying, oh, I want to do an ad or I want to do a webinar or I want to do a client event. Sure, different channels, 
but actually what are you trying to achieve? And then that drives what it is you do as well as how you do it. Interesting. And that fundamental question in terms of understanding what you want to achieve. If you were to ask that question to not your immediate marketing colleagues, but just sort of wider marketing colleagues, how often do you think you would actually get a really clear, crisp answer? As a marketing professional, I would like it to say it would be 100%, <laughs> but sometimes I don't think we do ourselves any favor. Yeah. And I think what causes us not to be able to answer that question is the lack of real partnership with the business you're working. So marketing huddled to a corner, making up ideas on their own never works. Yeah. It's fine to be creative and come up with ideas for how to deliver the yeah. achievement, what you were trying to achieve, but you've got to work in partnership with the business. Yeah. Marketing is one of those strategic functions that can help accelerate commercial opportunities. The only way you can do that is by truly understanding what the commercial objective is. And once you have that, you're talking the same language as the business. So instead of, of talking in absolute numbers or trying to blind them with, you know, technical terms on MarTech, yeah. you actually speak to them, you want to get in front of your clients as frequently as possible, as competently yeah. as possible, and have greater visibility. Yep, that's what we want to achieve. Okay, now we can go back. And then they start to understand your language. So you you have, you know, you end up speaking the same language. Uh, that's great. This is effectively what this podcast could now almost be, is like marketers selling to salespeople. This is kind of what the sort of process yeah. is, the Columbo close on the salespeople. So yeah. it's really nice little sort of like almost paradigm of sort of thinking about it, actually. Well, it is. And I think, mm. you know, marketing and sales are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. You can't sell without being able to market and you can't market without being able to sell. So if you understand both structures and both kind of passions, yeah. then you can come together and that dovetail is where you have that sweet spot and you both achieve your objectives. So it's not adversarial, it's actually collaborative. Well, the sequel can be marketing to marketers for salespeople. So, you know, there we will have that perfect yin and yang coming together. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so obviously you, you mentioned about coming from that sales background and it's obviously played a factor in mm. your career. How would you describe the changes in the marketing landscape and how your experience has kind of helped aid your progression through the marketing ranks? Good question. Again, because of my years of experience, I've seen a real shift from a lack of understanding of marketing. It mm. was seen somewhat fluffy, mm. promotion, corporate hospitality end yeah. of the spectrum. And we've now got to the other end of the spectrum, which is data-driven analytics, mm. a lot of number crunching rather than the, the nuance of all the ingredients you can have. And I think where I'm trying to push it is get to a middle ground where you can do both the style and substance. And also using the data analytics to drive your, your style and substance. Mm -hmm. So you're using data, not in absolute terms, because an absolute number means nothing. It's what's the trend? Mm. What's it showing you? Again, back to what are we trying to achieve? And if you constantly keep that in your center frame, we want to achieve X. And everyone's clear on it. Even if you have to reframe that, you're constantly going back to, are we still here? Are mm. we still trying to achieve this? Has anything changed? You get to be able to use the data analytics to further that objective. But I think... To me, it's like the digital marketing, when people say that in absolute, it's, I just don't think it's real because marketing is marketing. Mm -hmm. Digital is the enabler, right? So if you use it correctly, it, it kind of turbo boosts what you can do and you can be more analytical about it and more mm. educated. Whereas before, I guess, sometimes you'd make gut decisions on how to get in front of people and then how do you use the sales team and your consultants to come halfway? And I think that's another big change. Marketing is now integrated into the, where it's really embedded. It's integrated into the business. So 
you don't have finance, business, marketing and HR as separate silos. You have them collaborating on what are we trying to achieve? And particularly in the current environment, given the last two years of the pandemic, purpose. If you have a, an employee group who is purposeful, understands what they're trying to achieve, and you plug in any function, they will succeed because everyone's fighting for the right direction. And again, you get the collaborative approach rather than blinkers on. There's almost a lot that I want to sort of talk about there. <laughs> I mean, we could spin it out, certainly in terms of talking about that purpose bit. But if we're just to take it back in terms of you were talking around the importance of seeing things in context and understanding a trend, you know, a data point in itself is neither, neither here nor there. Just to sort of put it into practical terms, what is a recent sort of trend that you have observed within your sort of like marketing organization or within your activity? And I'd be really interested to understand almost how that was interpreted and then what were the either activity or behavioral changes that were made on the, on the back of that? So I guess it's about knowing your customer and knowing, again, what they're trying to achieve. And so one of the things we try and do is, is look at the persona. So again, it's what do we want to achieve? Obviously, most businesses outside the, the charity section uh, or not-for-profit are in it to make a profit, okay? So mm. there's a commercial bottom line. Yeah. Is that widely recognized, though, by employees and senior state, even senior stakeholders within organizations? Mixed. Obviously, if you're the CEO, you are very focused on that bottom line because you have to deliver. But depend again, this goes back to the purpose. If as an employee, no matter where you are in, in your corporation, if you don't understand the purpose of the organization you're mm. working for and your part in that, then you're not going to have that understanding of actually we we need the bottom line. In order for me to pay your salary, in order for me to give you bonus and benefits, you know, that needs to fill. Otherwise I'm going to have a deficit on the other side. It's like that with that archetypal story about the the cleaner at NASA and when she was asked, What do you do? So I get I get men to the moon. Yeah, because she knew her purpose in the company. She knew what the company was yeah. trying to do, get people to the moon. And she played a part in it. So but it's again it's back to your question in terms of understanding what your client is trying to achieve, mm. understand what solution you might have to help them achieve that. And then it's looking in terms of how stepping into the client's shoes and looking from an outside-in perspective. I think too often we think our structure drives what we do and how we do it. Of course, they're going to understand and we use acronyms or, um, you know, again, back to the data piece with SEO, you know, it does what it says on the tin. I love that because when you're like, how do I be compliant for ESG or how do I look after the well-being of my employees? Those are real questions. Mm. And if you're not answering those questions as a, a solution provider, your offerings won't get the light of day. So it's all about making sure, again, the dual conversation of what are we trying to achieve as a business? Why would our clients care about that? What problem are we trying to help solve? And turn it into that so the language is very much used in, in who's interested. And in your experiences, how much of that is reliant on the top-down approach, i.e. from the CEO to the rest of the business versus that senior tier of leadership also kind of managing that up in terms of trying to communicate what they think the vision and the, and the purpose should I be? I think it has to permeate the whole organization because back to the purpose, if you're all pulling in the same direction, it's like you're rowing a boat. If you've got you know, two people rowing in one direction, you've got the middle group who are just kind of threading water, figuring out what to do, and you've got two others at the back pulling in the opposite direction, you're actually mm. not going to move. So by everyone knowing what we're trying to achieve, they don't need to know the specifics given, you know, wherever they are in their role. But as long as they know my contribution is this and it, yeah. it helps move the machine to there. And then people go, they can put up with a whole lot of things, particularly in the current economic environment, as long as they feel like I'm contributing and my contribution is re 
recognize, and again, that's back to the marketing and sales handshake, too often you kind of hear that marketing's contribution isn't attributable yeah. or isn't accountable. So it flipped to the other side. Oh, right. Marketing generates revenue. And we're going to claim that we helped every bit of revenue generation. That sets an edge with the salespeople saying, no, 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 I'm the one selling. I'm the yeah. one, out, you know, with my toolkit. So instead of saying, you know, that it has to be adversarial, you say, actually, no, we can dovetail. We can help each other so that we're attributing the, the conversation back to marketing by because we've done all these activities. But it's a collaborative approach. You're the ones generating the revenue. You'll get the kudos for that. But we'll get the attribution to say all the activities that we did, creative, substance, style, helped our clients go through that funnel, mm. understand that we can help them solve their problems and add value. And it's the stickiness of that. So again, the other thing I'm really pushing at the moment is avoiding the transactional marketing, where you do one activity and you move on, one yeah. activity and you move on. It might move the needle in the short term, but actually your clients have memories and they will remember a one hit. If you help them more long-term to say, this is these are the problems we can help you solve, and you don't be the proverbial hammer in search of that yeah. nail, you then make sticky conversations. And I think that that's why it's so important to have a purpose that is agreed upon, is enduring. Mm. Because then if you do have that singular reference point, then it means that there is a sort of a sort of a continuous thread that goes throughout all of your marketing, all of your sales conferences, everything that you're doing. And if you don't have that, that's when you do end up being transactional and you lurch from one thing to to another. Yeah. Aspects. And, you know, organizations, if you think of the a board, you've got CEO, you've got finance, you've got sales, you've got marketing, you've got HR, compliance, legal. They all work in partnership much more mm. now, I think, going forward. And I think, you know, even in our business in Mercer, we, we look after health, wealth, and career of organizations. Mm. And those all dovetail. So if you have employees and they're, you're looking after their well-being, well, well-being, it's not just, oh, I'll, I'll give you a cycle to work scheme. Mm. That was pre-pandemic. Really? No. Now it's about mental health, physical health, social, uh, and financial well-being. And as organizations, we can look after our, our, our companies that way, our employees. And you know that's what we're then trying to talk to our, our clients about. But again, it's back to if everyone knows how to play a part in that. Yes. And back to my purpose is, my contribution is. And as human beings, we all just want to be recognized for our contribution. You know, you don't want the well done for for what? You know, a simple recognition on, oh, you really helped move the dial or you really helped me understand mm. this. And I think that's where back to marketing and sales handshake is. If we can educate the business to understand how marketing can contribute to their success, they then get it and actually they pull you into the business because, you know, back to my sales training, sales and buying, is there's an ego piece to it. Make me look good to my mm -hmm. stakeholders. And the, and it's it's cyclical then. So it becomes, I always use the, the unending relay race. It's a baton back yeah. and forth between marketing and sales because it, it has to be it's that feedback loop as well. What worked, what didn't work. Oh, we attribute this. Okay, now what's the, but then you add the third element is the feedback from your clients. And listen to your customers, listen to your clients. What works? What problems do you have? You know, oh, I think I might be able to help you with that. Again, it's not, I always use the, the phrase tip of the spear. You can go in and have a conversation. So for example, ESG, yeah. so topical at the moment, but it's huge and not to be, uh, to use a pun, but you don't want to boil the ocean on it. You've <laughs> got to go in at certain points. Otherwise, and it's not a, a greenwash or a whitewash and it's not a destination. You can't take a box and go, right, we've done ESG, now on yeah, to yeah. the next thing. It, it's living, it's a live it looks after your customers, your company, your society in which you work. 
but have a conversation on actually, well, let's focus on well-being because that's part of the S. How do you go from there? And then you can look left and right and see, well, what other parts of the journey that is ESG mm. that you want to deal with? But again, it's just having the confidence of having a robust conversation. How successfully or, or how frequently are sales involved in those types of conversations about thinking about, okay, well, where are we going to focus our attention within ESG? What does that look like? Let's give some shape and definition to that as a voice of the, the customer. Because my observation, just to sort of bias that question, which I probably will do now, is that sales are often removed from that. And that's, you know, it's owned by marketing, it's owned by comms, and it's owned by sort of leadership potentially. But sales are often not involved in that. I can only speak of where I am right yeah. now, and we are very much collaborative on yeah. it because we recognize that, again, back to if we all work in our silos, we you'll never have the baton pass. The yeah. baton will fall. Mm -hmm. And then you wonder, well, why didn't that work? And why doesn't that, and why aren't we getting mm. you know, the, the revenue at the end of the day? So when we're creating campaigns or we're looking at, what are we, again, my first question, what are we trying to achieve? Yeah. You know, ESG is, is a, a key theme for us. We work with the subject matter experts, so mm. the, the thought leaders. So back to the pure brand building of marketing. I have great ideas on and thoughts about where ESG is going in and the impact on an mm. organization. Fantastic. Right. How do we help companies deal with those issues? Mm. Then you bring in the so solution developers or the innovation teams that are driving the solution development. Yeah. And then you go, that's great. Okay, I can. who's our persona? Then you bring the salespeople in. Okay? Yeah. Who are we actually talking to? Who buys this? Who influences those decisions? Then marketing comes in, having listened to all of that and go, okay, well, that's our persona. That's what we want to achieve. This is the messages. This is the solutions we can help. But this is the problem we're fixing. And then you, you, that, that wrapper goes around and it weaves itself into all those elements. So you are, all of you are embellishing the thought leader with, right, if you say this, add it to your lovely story, you're making it more relevant to the problem they have. Because it's great selling it, talking about ESG and the issues. Yeah, yeah. Then what? As a, let's say I'm the, the CEO and it is a board level discussion on ESG. What do I do with that? You, you've convinced me. I know this is, a, is difficult, but what do I do next? Back to your advertising days, problem, solution. Exactly. And then, Tee up the problem yeah. and then someone has to provide a solution. Yeah, but avoid, you know, everyone knows if you're B2B and actually B2C as well. There's always a sale at the end of it, right? Yeah. That's where you're going to. But it's not a, a blunt instrument. If you're like, I get the issue. I know I need to do something. This is the bit I need to do. Can you help me? Oh, okay. Yes, you can. Then the sale becomes a handshake as opposed to, ooh, hammer on a nail. Yeah. Bye, see you next time. Not. When you're talking around the sort of the, the collaboration between sales and, and marketing, you talked about there's, it can be adversarial or historically yeah. adversarial because there feels like there's competition for who's actually responsible for the revenue. So would your advice be is when you're talking about the common goal that sales and marketing need to sort of solve, don't talk about it in revenue terms, but talk about it in the problem to solve from a client or customer perspective. Yeah, you can't, I mean, back again, back to the old advertising days, how do you know which 50% of your budget actually worked, mm -hmm. right? So now with all the data, you probably could. But the thing about the marketing and sales is if we work together, we actually help one another faster. If we do it on our own, you're going to hit a roadblock. You can't actually do it without the other handshake or the baton passes I use. So. Again, I would encourage marketeers who are not actively working with salespeople to get to know well, how they're how they work. So obviously, as I said, you know, I started selling, so I have that in my toolkit. But when I build, you know, nurture my teams over the years or mentoring people, it's 
get to know the other side of who you're working with. Where's the baton passing left and right, upstream, downstream? Because the more you know how they go to market or how they do their job, you go, oh, actually, I can help you do that yeah. bit. And suddenly it's like, oh, you're actually a friend. You can help me and I'm actually helping you in return. That's where it comes back to the purpose piece, right? Because I think that it's much easier to work together and be collaborative if everyone understands the end goal and the end destination, right? I'd like to dwell on this a bit more because there'll be marketers listening to this right now going, that's all you know, great to hear, Anya, but ultimately my sales guys are just not listening to anything I do and they don't consider marketing a strategic ally or partner within my organization. What advice would you give them to try and break down that initial barrier before they can even get close to the individuals in question? I think, and I've been there, so I know (laughs) it's not an easy task. Again, back to sales will sometimes think, and and again, because I have a sales background, I can say this, is like, well, that's the hard, that's the real tip of the spear because you're in there, you you have a a head or sort of your head with a number on it, right? I have to get that. But if you can talk in their language, Again, back to what are you trying to do? How do you do it? How do you, and actually have that conversation say, look, marketing has a, has a toolkit, sometimes has a budget. We've got really good insights. We've got data. We can tell you what's working, what's not. But it will be even better if we understand what you need to be successful. So you actually jump into their shoes and say, I don't want to talk about marketing. I want to talk about you. How does sales work? How do you, how do you enable your teams? And that's another part of sales that's different these days is the enablement piece. So it's not just sales going out and and selling something, but it's the enablement piece. And actually marketing and enablement are real good bedfellows because that's the story. The internal comms around, okay, back to ESG. I'm not an ESG expert. How can I go sell it? Well, you don't need to be. What are the problems that your, your clients have that you're selling to? Oh, well, they need to keep talent acquisition, big resignation. Okay. So how do you turn that into an ESG conversation? And again, there's an old game, seven degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. How do you get from one film to another in seven steps? And you can say, Kevin was involved in all of them. Same thing. How do you go from ESG to my solution and make those connections A to B to C? Oh, okay. That's how you do it. And so you're helping the sales team, the enablement, to articulate how you get from their problem to the solution you have. So again, the handshake is, oh, you're helping me. So it is an education process, but you've got to be, marketing have to be purposeful as well and push into those environments and push into those conversations. And ha- if there's a sales leadership meeting or if there's uh, a group getting, to push yourself in there. And ideally, don't do it from top down. Don't get so and so needs you to have marketing mm. in there because then that's not going to work. It's peer to peer. I can help you if you can help me. I think that that's what you've just talked about there in terms of the, the seven degrees of separation. But that actual activity of showing how things are connected, whether that's actually properly mapping out a customer journey and showing what that looks like, as you say, or bridging between something which seems very abstract as an issue and actually a solution. It's something which is so often neglected to do because people want to run ahead. Yeah. But from my experience... Certainly in sales, yeah. right? But, but in, you know, in marketing as well, in marketing as well. But if you do sit down and do it it's so so powerful because suddenly it makes sense and also it just becomes so much easier than to do your job if you're thinking about it from a sort of customer journey perspective 
if you map out the customer journey and then you work out what the different touch points are, then it becomes really quite manageable to say, okay, well, I understand exactly what this touch point will be. What will be the message I want to communicate at that mm. point? Does it need to be at the rational or emotional end of the spectrum? Okay, what's the best way of doing it? It just breaks it down and becomes so much more manageable. And I think it's quite similar in terms of how to intuitively explain mm. something between marketing and sales as well. well. And I don't know whether this is my Irishness, but we love a good story. And everything is about a story. And, you know, whether you call it a narrative arc or a messaging framework, storytelling is still essential because that helps you get across the connections. Absolutely. The bridging. And it also distills complex data conversation yeah. into something that's achievable. Mm. And again, back to human nature, if you make me feel that you can help me achieve something in bite-sized chunks that I still get to my end goal, come and have a conversation with me. And that's then, that's the first baton pass between marketing and sales. Because ultimately, I can't go in the door then. I'm not the salesperson. The salesperson has to go in the door with that baton. But we've teed them up. We've helped them through storytelling yeah. to go, oh, okay, I do see the connection. And, I, and also, for companies who are like startups or trying to get into the arena, credibility. Mm. You sound credible. You understand my issue. You understand the market. You understand the challenges, but you're showing me the art of the possible. Yeah. I like that. And then the other thing is, you know, if you're looking at big transformation, so again, that costs money. The minute you say the word transformation, a client might think, oh, millions, can't afford that. So back to, the, you know, uh, in the current environment. But if you talk about, okay, yeah, you need to transform, but how do you do it in bite-sized chunks? How do you do it in manageable sections so you bring people along with the journey? It's storytelling. And then you can use all the Marcoms, you can use all the MarTech and data analytics, working with the salespeople, identify who your top 100, 200 companies. And then you can go down to your persona. I'm speaking to the CFO. They're going to be looking at the bottom line. But actually, I'm now talking to the HR director. They're also looking at the bottom line because the CFO is saying, I'm not giving you any more money. But how do I keep my people engaged and purposeful, actually work together? So what we're seeing more and more is actually the functions which would be seen on the board as maybe not necessarily the best of allies, finance, keeping the money tight, marketing, <laughs> want to spend it, being very stereotypical. Actually, they can actually be more allies and work together yeah. with HR. Again, back to purposeful. An engaged employment group will be purposeful, will contribute, will go above and beyond. That yields great results. I'm loving how all the roads are leading back to purpose, to be honest, I think, because it is so, so important. But do, do you feel that actually potentially there's a fundamental issue with the way that people are measured in terms of their jobs? That there's too much focus on the the quantitative measures, certainly if we're talking about from a sales and, and marketing perspective. Mm. And actually, we should look at how we can introduce shared measurables, even if they're qualitative measurements, that are more related to the purpose or the problem that's looking to be solved. I agree. And it's interesting. So I'm not from a finance background. and But I would say at the end of the day, unless you're a not-for-profit or a charity, yeah. there's a bottom line, mm -hmm. right? You have to generate revenue to keep going, right? Mm. How can you pay salaries? Yeah. So there is a but bottom it's, line. It's not just revenue, actually. I suppose the point here is, is, is when businesses are so focused, certainly from a sales perspective on revenue, sometimes we get lost in a mire of what, good revenue looks like? Yes. And good revenue is sustainable revenue. Correct. And it's sticky revenue. Yeah. It's repeat customers because, again, back to my sales training, it's cheaper to keep existing, to sell to existing clients yeah. than it is to buy new clients, right? So if you're constantly expanding your current client book, 
you're selling, cross-selling, holy grail, right? That will sustain you. But back to the question in terms of everyone does have to get to that bottom line, yes. right? And if marketing can see how they have that connection, they do. But back to your question around the qualitative quantitative, you have to have, the reason I'm saying about the bottom line, you have to have numbers for that, okay? But that's only part of the story because it's the softer skills that somehow generate that intangible. And if you, and again, back to my PwC days, when we're looking at audits and you look at the annual reports, mm. the um, goodwill, you know, that was back in the day, that was still there. Now it's more important, back to purpose. Goodwill is a bit intangible, but actually non-execs, investors are looking for, okay, yes, I expect you to generate revenue. Well, you know, yeah. any good business person will generate revenue, but how are you being sustainable with a small s? Mm. How are you going to have a legacy as an organization? How are you going to support the communities in which you're offering? So that's back to the qualitative. And I think that goes back to purpose. You don't get up in the morning and say, I must generate X number of revenues today. You don't, right? <laughs> you go up, I'm going to contribute. And that's got the intangible piece. Mm. And I think the more visionary business leaders, whatever function your background is, they're the ones who can have those conversations and feel uncomfortable about it because it's not a... A hard metric. And as I said, you know, absolute numbers, not useful. It's the trends. And with trends, there's a bit of interpretation, mm. right? That's where a good analyst comes in. It's like, I'm looking at the numbers, but I'm seeing a trend and I'm looking at all the intel around me. That's a bit intangible because you can't say it's black and white. So I think the more we embrace as business people, the intangible qualitative part of the storytelling in marketing or in sales, the more purposeful in organization and you'll be more successful. But doesn't that go against maybe the way that marketing departments and sales departments have traditionally been set up? Yeah. You know, it's short-term revenue targets. And then obviously in marketing, it's about short-term metrics to achieve maybe longer-term results, but it's about leads. It's about how do we balance those? Again, I come back to, you know, one of the things I say to, to my business leaders is we have to avoid transactional marketing because you can move the dial a little bit, but if you're always chasing the monthly end, you're never looking up and seeing what's coming down. And it's those organizations that go, again, if you've done your planning right and you've got that clear understanding, of what are we trying to achieve? You've got those foundational activities that are going to pull in the money, right? And it's then the sitting back and looking around us, actually, let's have the conversation back to the storytelling. Mm. Let's talk about this. Well, it's not going to sell us a product tomorrow. No, but it will sell our consulting, or it will sell, oh, I didn't realize you did that. Again, coming into new markets, how can you expand your book? Because if you're selling the same book over and over again, that's not going to be sustainable. Someone will come in and disrupt the value chain, or someone will come up with a different product. So it'll only sustain you for a while. So you've got to be able to have foundational activities that keep the money coming in, but you also have to be thinking long-term in terms of, actually, I need to invest now to get that storytelling and to get people along the journey. And again, that takes courage because it's not going to generate revenue every month, but it's going to position you. And I think a key thing is whether you're a startup or whether you're in a, you know, a well-established organization, your credibility is only as strong as the conversations your people are having with their clients. Mm -hmm. And are you constantly innovating? And it's not about creating, you know, coming up with Einstein's new theory every six months, but innovation in terms of how you look at problems, yep. how you problem solve. It's like, oh, this is what you do. Well, conventional wisdom say we have to do this. No, this is how you could do it. And that comes back to the diversity of thought. So the more diverse thinking and the more diverse you plan, 
you know, again, on top of a foundation, you need a core foundation. Otherwise, you know, it's sand. I think that's what needs to happen. And again, again, the old message, what gets measured gets done. You have to have some element of intangibility because otherwise no one will ever go outside the guardrails and you'll wonder why we're not changing. Back to purpose. If anything, the last two years have, have basically demonstrated to organizations that people want to feel they're making a difference and they're adding value, no matter what your role is in life. You know, if that's what gets you up in the morning. And I think if you can show we can do the foundations to keep us running, so we all have work and jobs, yep. great, push that. But then it's the extra bit. How can we help our clients move forward? What is the next problem down the road? Can we see around the corner? Actually, have you thought about this? And then that's back. Heads up. Don't just keep it down to the, the grindstone. So, we, you know, but it does take courage of conviction. And again, marketing needs to be able to show the destination. Yep. So it's not saying, oh, I think we should do something on X. To what purpose? Oh, I don't know. Just sounds good. Right? <laughs> no, we can't do that. Again, if it's purposeful, well, back to the seven degrees of separation. We're here today. Our growth strategy says we want to get over there. How are we getting over there? There's got to be, you know, it's not a straight line anymore. You can go sideways, backwards. And again, that gets excitement. And and ultimately, conversation when you're, when you're ultimately selling anything, storytelling. If you can demonstrate ideas, credibility, do the foundation. I was, I was given a great piece of advice in my sales job. If you can prove to people that you can do the foundations and you can do it like better than anyone else, they'll trust you to do leaping all over the place. So... Again, prove the foundational stuff and then fly. Excellent. And um, this is quite a big question, so you oh. can, we can scale it down. <laughs> down. But I think that we've, we're talking about a lot of things that, that are happening really, really positive, but also probably a lot of future transformation almost that needs to change. So if you were given that proverbial magic wand, what would be some like two or three or one or two maybe biggest changes you would make to the way that either sales and marketing is structured, how they are measured, the different skill sets. I mean, almost it's an open question, but I'm, I'm thinking like, if you were unencumbered by any sort of legacy and you were sort of to design what that would optimally look like, what would be those key things, do you think? I think the key thing is the engagement of marketing and sales. And sometimes they're, they're part of the same group. Mm. They don't necessarily have to be. But as long as they can see the boat trying to get to the same destination. Yeah. And I think it's the collaboration. So they recognize that actually, if I do my job well, I'm supporting marketing. And if marketing does their job well, they're supporting me. So it's that if there's a common shared goal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for example, the sales team in a very, I'm being stereotypical, I don't care about the number of people that come to our website. I care about the number of leads that you're yeah. getting. But if you don't get people to the website in the first place, how are you going to get the leads? Yeah. Okay. Mm, all right then. Oh, okay. Now I get you. So how do we get people to us? You know, so it's that commonality of, of goals, but also recognizing that there has to be a bit of flex in the system. If salespeople say, right, what we're hearing from our clients is X. Oh, that doesn't meet my goals. Well, yeah, but it'll meet the company's goals. Ah, they transcend anyone's goals. So I think there has to be a bit of flex during the year to say, actually, we need to deviate some of our metric and you're not going to get clobbered for it if you go on the business building side of it. So for example, if you're trying to you know, move into a different part of the market where you don't have credibility or an established name, that's going to be brand building. The business building ultimately is the objective because otherwise you won't be um, able to sustain yourself. But you got to speculate a bit. So yes, you won't get numbers coming through immediately. They will come if you get your tactics right. So there has to be that flex. And I think 
having marketing and sales at the leadership team table talking about how we help the business achieve their objectives mm. across everything. And it again, sales and marketing are not two silos. They are buffeted by each other, but they're also buffeted by finance. They're buffeted by HR. So again, it goes back to that symbiotic relationship between those functions. They need to dovetail more than ever because people need to know that's the common purpose. My piece goes there and my mm. piece intersects with finance, HR, marketing. So it's that creating a different vision in terms of actually you're mutually beneficial to each other. Yeah. And when we talk about the magic wand, mm-hmm. by the way, I think that was great. When we talk about the magic wand, one thing we haven't touched on too much that we spoke about off air was the data piece, yes. right? What's your opinion of the role that data plays within marketing and the business now? And how would you like to see that change in the next number of years? So Again, given my length of experience, I'm coming from where data wasn't very well understood and used to now where you've got data coming out of your ears, right? (laughs) Neither were right. We need to get somewhere in the middle where, as I said, an absolute number means nothing. Data helping you identify trends is useful. And it is good to be able to track the impact of activities. So for example, we emailed 100 people. What was the open rate? What was the click-through rate? What was the uh, engagement rate? What was how many people then clicked the form and come through? So all of that is useful to show actually what we're talking about isn't hitting the mark. It's not gener- It's not getting grabbing attention. How do we change it? But I think it needs to be massaged with experience. And this is back to marketing and sales. It's not just marketing making those decisions. You have to get the business in saying, guys, you know, gang, this isn't hitting. Well, what are we missing? Go back. To, are we writing? targeting the right clients? Are we actually getting in front of them? Why aren't they opening it? Why aren't they engaging with it? Or they really engage in this. So it's that conversation. I think the change needs to happen is don't get lost in the data. And also back to being credible. You will get away with once showing data. Oh, we've generated, you know, how many clicks and this murder. Okay. That sounds great. Bottom line. What did it do? Yeah. Oh, generated all this but it didn't move the numbers. So again, we need, and again, as a business leader, if I was on the receiving, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great, but is it good, bad, or indifferent? Oh, we've increased 10%, 2%, whatever. Well, again, is it good, bad, or indifferent? Where does it help me get to the ultimate objective? Keeping the business profitable, keeping the business sustainable, making the business grow. Ultimately, I say, <laughs> my 12-year-old daughter says to me, what do I do? And over the years, I've tried to explain marketing. So I say, I tell stories, sometimes herd cats, but my <laughs> purpose is to make Mercer grow. Yeah. And that means I can help in any part of those conversations. I mean, the herding cats is very pertinent, I think, for a senior marketer in a organiza- big organization. <laughs> it's a common business problem. <laughs> I think I, could, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, I think it's been a really, really fascinating conversation. And clearly there is that sort of, imperative for sales and marketing to have a common language and that common understanding of the commercial goals, but really all roads led back to purpose Mm. and the importance within an organization of having that, you know, unifying, galvanizing sort of point of reference, which keeps everybody going in the same direction working towards actually sort of making a difference, which almost brings us full circle to that sort of idea of the Colombo close. Mm-hmm. If you know the sort of the difference that you you need to to make, and obviously within the context of the example you gave, it's that killer question at the end yeah. asking, well, what do you want to achieve? Okay, well, if 
I can help you achieve that, I will, you know, (laughs) we can make it work. But it it does in many respects come back to that idea of of the purpose and knowing how to make a difference. You know the difference needs to be made. Suddenly you can agree how you're going to do that and you can sort of organise to sort of achieve that. And actually one thing I haven't really said is about that um, marketeers need to have a level of curiosity and ask questions. It's okay to ask robust questions. Mm. It's okay to ask why. It's okay to say, no, that's not going to work. You have to have the confidence that you can challenge, respectfully, but challenge. Again, back to avoiding the hammer and the nail situation. Mm. If you don't have a curiosity, again, if someone says to you, I want to do a webinar, why? What are you trying to achieve? It might be the right solution, but it might not be. Ah, if you want to get there, well, that's not going to help you. We'll do this. Oh, okay. But if, if you just sit back there, back to the transaction and go, yes, I can do that for you. And you go off and do it. And then they come back to you. Well, that didn't work. Oh, why we? What were you trying to achieve? You yeah, could have yeah. saved yourself a whole lot of problems. Yeah, why is the most powerful question? It really it can be. But people get defensive, and I always say it's not a, it's not an aggressive question. It's a curious question. Yeah. And actually, I love being asked why. Why are you doing it that way? Yeah. Because it gives me an opportunity to say why the wonderful idea we've got to do is going to help. Yeah. But by artic back to the storytelling, you articulate it. Someone goes, Ah, there's a piece missing. Ah, okay, add that to it. If you didn't ask the question why, you'd never find out. And again, I mean, a way that you often define what a purpose is, is what's your why? So there we go. <laughs> I know. Mr. Simon Sinek. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my taking from this as well is there can be many things that you could focus on as a marketer. At the start of this conversation, you mentioned this kind of short-term versus long-term thinking, right? And my main take-home here is focus on a small number of things that you know in the mid to long term will hopefully properly move the needle. Mm -hmm. Keep communicating with multiple stakeholders within the business to get them all bought into the same journey. But ultimately, it feels like, from what you're saying, is that the marketing plan doesn't need to be reams and reams of paper to appease everyone. It needs to be very laser-focused based on what the business needs to achieve, essentially. I mean, keep it simple. I'm, I'm a simple person. I'm happy with gray areas every now and then, but I'd like to know where we're going to. You know, as a kid, are we there yet? Yeah. Are we there? If you don't know, you're going to constantly, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Whereas back to your point about communication, if you don't, as, as a marketing group, if you don't communicate with your stakeholders so they understand who, what, where, when, and how, you're always going to be getting those sidebar questions. Um, how do marketing justify their their existence? Yeah. <gasps> you know, and, and you get, it's almost like being stabbed. You're like, oh my gosh, surely we've be- moved beyond that now. But you still get that every now and then. And that's, to me, that's always a note to myself saying, ah, I haven't communicated enough. Because if you knew what was going on, if you knew why it was going on and how it was impacting and helping you, you wouldn't need to ask the question. So that's a trigger as well to look out for. Again, that comes back to curiosity. I use that as a great, instead of getting you know, offended by it, I go, oh, let me tell you, this is the great stuff that's going on. This is how we're helping. So again, but B, ask questions. I always say to my team, never walk away from a meeting if you don't know what your action is and what everyone else is responsible for. Because we all have those lovely meetings. Yeah, sounds great. You come back a month later. So what did you do? Oh, that was, was that me? Oh, sorry. Yeah. You know, so. This has been great. I suppose that the one final question for me is that storytelling was a very prevalent part of the earlier part of this conversation. Can you give us an example of, the best story that you've been told or or heard in B2B? Yeah, it was a case of how in the pandemic, the changing roles and changing functions and how we're seeing 
when you're talking to the finance function, actually come at it from a people perspective. And when you're talking to the HR function, come at it from a finance perspective. Yeah. Because their roles have actually flipped. So people are my best asset was a throwaway phrase pre-pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. Now it is actually, with the great resignation, mm -hmm. it is flipped. So your finance director, yes, they're focused on the bottom line, but the bottom line now is also people risk. What if I lose my best talent? I can't afford I can hire new, but I'll loot brain drain. So our talk to the finance function about how do you keep your people engaged? Thank you very much. That was really good fun. Thank you. B2B Marketing Solved is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more about us, head to allen-agency.com and make sure to search for Marketing Solved in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. Don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss any future golden nuggets from the biggest names in B2B marketing. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.